0: Welcome to the Horror Babble Podcast. The Bed of Shadows by Fred R. Farrow, Jr. March 6th At last, after two months of sleeping on a cot, I am back in my own room again it has been completely redecorated and refurnished. First of all, it now boasts a real fireplace—not one of those, um, make-believe electric affairs, but one with andirons and a screen. How cosy it will be to read by its flickering light on long winter nights! The walls are panelled in driftwood oak, up to within two feet of the ceiling, which is papered in some odd design— The furniture, selected by my sister Myra, is of the early colonial period—the bed especially is a prize—a huge, grim four-poster, with dingy-dark maroon drapes on the sides and open at the top. As I have a passion for reading in bed, Myra has provided a wrought-iron bridge lamp which can be swung so as to illuminate my book. The room is so delightfully gloomy that I can hardly wait until evening to lie there in bed and begin reading Ghost House, which I picked up at the store today. March 7th As I had intended, I retired about eleven last night to read. I had my bridge lamp on, and the curtains on that side of the bed were drawn back. The interior looked so dark, except where the light shone through the parted curtains— that it seemed almost like entering a tomb. There was a log fire which cast queer, quavering shadows on the ceiling. The ceiling—I had not noticed before what sort of paper Myra had picked out for the ceiling. It has a most intriguing design of scrollwork on a dark background. I lay in my gloomy bed and idly traced out the intricate curves in the wavering firelight. My book is only fair— I read about two chapters, and then put it down. My eyes wandered to the ceiling. I shall read some more tonight. There is a faint, musty smell in the air. Perhaps the curtains need airing. I shall speak to Myra about it tomorrow. March 8th It is wonderful to have a fireplace in one's room. It seems so completely comfortable— when the fire is just barely flickering, to watch the little flames leaping up from the charred logs. I read some more of Ghost House. The book gets better as I progress. From time to time, I cast my gaze up at the ceiling. I don't know why, but somehow I enjoy looking at the odd design of scrolls and spirals. A queer pastime, but fascinating. If Myra knew, she, she would wonder at it. I wonder myself— March 9th As soon as I retired last night, my gaze rested on the ceiling. For the first time, I seemed to feel attracted in some vague, uncomfortable way by the queer spirals on the paper. What was it that I read, long, long ago, about certain cabalistic signs, and their power to hypnotise one who looked at them too long? I seem to remember only the one called the swastika— Surely there were none on my paper. Again, I noticed the peculiar odour. Myra declares she airs the room every morning. Just a word about my dreams. For the past two nights, I have dreamed about my room. In the dream room, there is something indefinably terrible. I cannot place what it is as yet. I wake up with an uneasy feeling that all is not as it should be in my room— Perhaps I shall have the same dream again. Strange that I have had it now for two consecutive nights. March 10th Sunday Again, I have had the same dream. In some odd fashion in my dream, I seem to be in my gloomy old four-poster, the curtains tightly closed, looking up at the ceiling which is fitfully illuminated by the dying fire. I know definitely— that the disturbing influence, whatever it is, is in the ceiling. This morning, when I awoke, I was exhausted. Perhaps I do not sleep at all, but lie there all night, tracing out those maddening curves and spirals by the light of the fire. Oh, terrible thought! That of not knowing whether one is actually dreaming, or lying there in that dim, shadowy void between true slumber and wakefulness. I must go to bed early tonight— If my book becomes more exciting, I may be able to keep my eyes from those mocking spirals on the ceiling. I hope so. March eleventh. A peculiar thing happened last night. As it was Sunday, I retired early to read. After an unsuccessful attempt to rivet my mind on my book, I put it down in disgust. Eagerly, why do I use the word— My eyes turned to the ceiling. For the first time, instead of tracing out the little scrolls and walls, I saw the thing as a whole. It is strange and a little uncanny, for the vague, blurred outline bears a semblance to some monster. If I look directly, I I cannot see it. If, however, I look out of the corner of one eye, then it takes shape— I got out of bed to throw a log on the fire. Immediately, the whole fantastic design seemed to fade away, and became simply the papered ceiling. Seen from the bed again, the faint, irregular outline reappeared, after a few moments. Perhaps I should get rid of the four-poster. It is so huge, and even sinister, with its old red drapes, that— It may be affecting me as I lie there, night after night, trying to read my book. Certainly, there is a smell as of old cloth. Myra came in last night. Can't you sleep, Paul? she asked. No, dear. I've been reading, and have read myself wide awake. Dear girl, she would never understand. She has no imagination. Show her a fragment of cloth from an airplane wing brought down in battle, she would see— Simply a piece of cloth, so many inches wide by so long, possibly a bit soiled. She would get no thrill at the thought, nor would she even think of that piece of cloth, miles above the earth, helping to sustain the plane, dodging and dipping around and finally coming down with terrible speed after a well-directed shot. Ah, well, maybe she is better off without an imagination. Perhaps most truly happy people are so— because they lack one. March 12th This thing is becoming fascinating. As I undressed last night, I looked up at the ceiling. Ordinary, commonplace paper with a design. As soon as I got in bed, though, I looked up and saw the outline of the—shall I say, thing? It has only a vague shape, and I cannot say just what it resembles— I tried the experiment of leaning out one side of the bed. Immediately, the form disappeared. Can it be because of the poor lighting, and the fact that I in my bed lie in comparative darkness, or is it something evil and sinister that is taking place? I have had no more dreams. March 13th Tonight, I gave up all pretense of reading. The form in the ceiling fascinates me. Its shape is becoming more and more clearly defined. I'm anxious, and yet I dread to see what it will resemble if it continues to grow in clearness. Myra suspects something. She questioned me several times as to why I look so worn and haggard after what she thinks is a good night's sleep. If she only knew, she would not wonder. But she must never know, or she will think I am mad. Perhaps I am. I wonder— March Fourteenth. My work at the office suffers, because of the strange fascination of the ceiling. I cannot keep my mind off it for a single moment. At night, as soon as I can leave Myra on a pretext of reading in bed, as though anyone could read inside those old dark drapes, I slip into my dressing-gown and lie there gazing at the ceiling. It is now more than just interest which draws my attention. It is like an awful attraction which compels us against our very will to look at some terrible accident or catastrophe when we would like to shut our eyes. The form is growing clearer. It resembles a gigantic bat. March 15th I must get rid of my four-poster. It is exerting some evil influence over me, I am sure— Still, I have a morbid desire to see this thing through to the finish. Last night, the details of the shape in the ceiling became more and more pronounced. I imagined I saw its eyes. In addition, some of the scrolls and spirals seemed actually to writhe. I could not have been asleep. The bridge lamp was on. I have a feeling that soon the purpose back of all this will be terribly revealed to me. Somehow, I can detach my mind for a time, and regard myself in this grim little drama from a distance. I see myself inside my darkened bed behind the red drapes, a look of terrible fascination in my eyes, looking, watching, waiting. For what? March 16th I am writing this in bed, and will make notes of all that happens— As soon as I closed the drapes, I I looked up at the ceiling. It was already there—a huge, irregular, murky blot on the paper with the writhing scrolls and spirals. The thing is gaining in clarity and definition. Now as I lie here and look up, its form is quite distinct. I am watching it. I can see its ribbed wings and its little red eyes—can I be sane? Evilly glowing— an odour of things long since consigned to the grave pervades the air—the smell of a charnel-house. The fire has almost gone out. As the wood ashes smoulder and fall to the hearth, the thing in the ceiling seems suddenly to move. Its great, bony wings flap slowly and clumsily. It is crawling, crawling along the ceiling, until it gets directly over my head it is only a few feet away. Closer, closer, it, oh God, it, it's going to jump down! The young man was found dead in bed, the following morning, an unforgettable look of horror, in his wide, staring eyes. Death, the coroner reported, due to heart failure, evidently induced by some violent shock. But engraven in tiny characters in the ugly-carved headboard of the grim old four-poster, was found the curious legend. Let him that sleepeth in this bed take heed her reason leave his head. Hello, ladies and gents, Ian here. Be sure to pop on over to our YouTube channel or Facebook page for regular updates. If you'd like to support our work, please consider taking a look at our Patreon or Bandcamp pages, or search for us on Audible. You'll find links to everything on our website, horrorbabble.com forward slash links.